0: Work hard. Work hard means show up. Work hard means be a teammate, a collaborator. Try for everything.
1: Hello and welcome to The Mental Game of Musical Theater. I'm your host, David Eggers. Let's get started. Welcome back. Kelly O'Hara and I talked so much, we had to chop it into two parts. Thanks for sticking it out. Now here is part two. You as uniquely yourself, have an opportunity to contribute to the show, to the creative journey that that team is about to take. Yes.
0: Yes. I've even heard a director say, make no mistake. We are sitting behind those tables and we are tired and we want you to be our choice. We are waiting for you to walk in the door. We are hoping it's going to be you because we're tired and we've seen a hundred people today and we haven't found her yet or him. We want it to be you. So remember that. It's like it's it's really your best shot is just coming in and being the best version of yourself and leading with that first. You know, you can read, read the material and, and judge yourself. Well, I'm not exactly like this person. So bring the person to you. Bring the character to you. Yes. Go in and do the best thing you have, the best song you have, the best version of yourself, and then let the character come to you. Especially if it's a revival, there's no use in doing the character the same way it's been done before. Mm-mm. So let the people behind the, the table go, oh, I never thought of it that
1: way. Right.
0: But this is our way into doing it again. This is why we should make it again for this, because this is a new version.
1: Yeah. It's your version. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of auditions, Kelly, do you still get nervous when you have oh my audition? God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I, I audition... I'm not auditioning as much for theater anymore, but definitely television. And not very often. I, I'm I'm very very uh, allergic to self tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. I just I hate them. I like to be in the room with people, but I get very nervous, you know, because it's it's a sound bite. It's not. Again, I'm I'm one of these people who wants to go in and feel people's essences. I want them to know who I am, and so as one sound bite, you know, combined with just how I look with a couple of sentences to me isn't getting to the heart of the matter. So most of my television, to be honest, or film work has come through relationships mm-hmm. that I've already built. Mm-hmm. When I did King Lear, which was a big risk for me, I met this actor named Arian Moyed, who some might know from Succession and from, you know, Spider-Man and things like that. He, It's because of that relationship that then he wrote The Accidental Wolf that then taught me so much about being on camera and stuff like that. I mean, we worked on it for eight years Off and on. And so those types of things have been fed me more than just like a random taped audition, you know, because I find that I need to get inside a a character and, and let the people who I'm collaborating with know who I am and stuff like that.
1: So if you really don't like doing self tapes Tell me about how Gilded Age came to be for you.
0: So thankfully, that was in the room. It was 2019. I auditioned in the room at Telsey with with Michael, who's the director, right there in the room. And so I I said, hey, and we talked for a minute. And then I was able to read the scene and then put me on camera right there in the room. And then I came back for a callback because it was... I had gone in originally for one character. And i this is case in point. i They ended up reading me for a different character. And then the pandemic hit. I squeezed in there right before the pandemic where I was still going in for in-person auditions.
1: Mm-hmm. And so that's Bernard Chelsea casting you mentioned. Yeah. That maybe is why half of Broadway seems to be on that show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And believe me, that audition came up because of my relationship that's grown with Bernie over the years, yeah. you know, for different, for many different reasons. And so, again... Work, it gets work, it gets work, it gets work. Yeah. You know, it starts to build. You start to build a, a catalog of, of, friendly, positive relationships where, the people know you're a hard worker and and want to, uh, stick out their neck for you a
1: little bit. Mm-hmm. So Bernie
0: called me in. So I'm so grateful to him
1: love that. You mentioned building relationships, and uh, we've talked about building relationships in different contexts here already. To me, that is part of what I think success is, but my personal definition of success has definitely evolved over the years. Can you talk a little bit about what success looks like to you, what it, what it means to you, and has it shifted for you over the years?
0: Yeah, but you know, I grew up, I I grew up with a lot of um a lot of preaching about what priorities should be in my life. You know, my, my parents were very much family first. Family is the priority or, or, or loyalty, friendships. You would never cut someone down to, to build yours up. In fact, any run-ins like that I, that I have had, have always made me feel really uncomfortable. You know, it's more like, listen, it's not that important to me. If, if it's going to be this, then I don't want it. I would rather maintain the ability to sleep at night and the ability to, to have a clean conscience and, and, and have relationships be true and i want you to trust me and things like that. So so success has always throughout the whole time has meant that to me. And so now having a modicum of success, being able to live a comfortable life, being able to have friendships and collaborations that i'm very proud of while having my family, my kids, my marriage that balance is the success for me. I'll always judge myself. You know, we all will. Of like, well, here's the next ladder, rung up the ladder, and and why am I not there? You know, there's there's never a plateau. You don't get like I said. You don't get to the top of the mountain and say, oh, it's all good now. That's not what happens. No matter where you are or who you are, I guarantee you, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks go, huh. Well, I wish that I, and why don't I have this? You know, you right. it's human nature to want more, whether it be personal or professional. And so it's that's what drives us. That's what makes life interesting. But you have to also keep a modicum of sanity about that. You know, well, I'm going to breathe on that and, and, and meditate on that and know that that I'm right where I need to be. But success for me is looking back and being proud and not having too many regrets in the can. And not having stepped on anybody's head to get to this level, um, but have you know been done it basically with good relationships and with positive experiences. That's success to me. Having long term friendships like this, yeah. that's success to me. <laughs> having my kids grow up and 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 embracing my work, that's success to me. So that they still believe in it too, and they can they're happy for me. It's been tough, you know. It's been tough to balance time and and we work on it every day. You know, it's a constant bit of balance. But um, what I do know for sure, and I think this is maybe something that a lot of people don't realize is that winning a Tony or or success or money, that's not where the happiness comes from. That is a great big old piece of pie with a big cherry on top. It's a beautiful thing, but by the next morning, it's all gone. That's not what a successful or a happy life is about. And I'm not going to say it has to be children or marriage. I mean, that's not, that's for each individual. Absolutely. But I do think it's human connection and that it's not things and it's not money and it's not power. And I don't care who you are. It is not the answer. It isn't. Um, because at the end of the day, it, that just doesn't feed your soul. Mm -hmm. It, It buys you things and it might buy you people around you. But if, those people aren't around you for the right reasons, then there's an emptiness to that. And so success is is about human connection to me.
1: I love that, Kelly. I really appreciate what you just said about happiness, because I think that a lot of us make the mistake of believing I'll be happy when, instead of realizing that happiness usually is the precursor of those other things taking place.
0: Yes. It is when you are generating, you know, again, I'm going to say this again, because I don't, I don't care what your life energy cycle is, whether it's energy or faith or luck or whatever you believe in or karma or whatever that is, but that exists in our life. It it needs to, because it's a constant conversation with ourselves about how to to project into the world what kind of energy we put out into the world what we wish to come back to us whatever that is for you it is part of how we live it, it, because especially if you're living at a certain level of of churning activity out, you know, you're not just sitting in front of a television all your life. If you're out there making collaborations, making art, making relationships, raising your children, make, having friendships, traveling, whatever you're doing, you're generating some sort of energy in the world. And how you choose to, to give to the world is exactly how you will receive from the world. And I believe that deeply. Some people believe that things just happen to them. They really do. But I, my advice, if I'm sitting on any sort of platform to say anything like this, and even you if are. nobody's asking, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm saying it even for myself to hear it. Okay. So even if no one's listening that, and I can almost understand it. One of the reasons why we are having such the opposite is because there is some, there's darkness. The people that give the opposite, there's something in them that needs to be healed. that That's what's going on. Mm. They're hurting. And so that non-acceptance, that negative energy, whatever that is, that is coming from pain. And the more you are generating a cycle of healing and acceptance and joy and love and peace, the more you're healing your own heart, period. It's just clean air in and bad air out. I believe that. And I don't care what business that you're in. If it's not art, that's how we need to look at life. By shutting doors, by caging people, we are only creating, you know, dissonance and darkness.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, Thank you for I'm, that. You know,
0: I, I'm just making a show about something very dark. And I think it's been hard for some people to see because it feels like, oh, why did I come in to see this? But in the very same moment, what we're also doing is generating grace and humanity around people struggling mm. because people are struggling. Yes. So we, we want to humanize their stories. We want to show that in the struggle, we can find likeness and peace and, and understanding. And so those, those stories are important to tell even if they're hard. But by telling them, we're telling them with love. We're telling them with grace. We're not judging them. You know, We're not playing villains because they're alcoholics. We're playing human beings who are struggling. Right. You can find the goodness in everything you're doing as long as it's not hatred.
1: Those stories are important to tell. Theater plays such a, a crucial part in society for that very reason. Um, uh-huh. We get to explore humanity. By seeing those stories up on stage. Absolutely. It's the
0: best. I feel like we're the luckiest people in the world because we are dealing as opposed to shutting out. Mm-hmm. We are journeying. I've been thinking about this word over the pandemic, especially. And especially as I have people in my, my parents or whoever's aging and things like that. And, and also just where the country is and things, the word curiosity is so important to me because when you stop being curious, you stop living in this world. You stop evolving. Yep. Yeah and when you stop evolving you st- you become fearful hmm. you start to fear you start to fear everything and everyone around you but if you stay curious you evolve you open you learn you grow whatever it is if you want to protect yourself whatever that is, that comes from knowledge, everything. So stopping the knowledge, stopping the growth, you know, where your students are right now, this is the incubator of that growth because you're, you're in a safety net when you're, you're in high school and junior high and middle school and elementary school, then you get into college and it's almost like you're cracking open this, this life form, right? Cause you're an adult and you're cracking it open And this is the beginning of an entire journey of learning. We think that we're going to graduate and all of a sudden we we get on that plateau and we live our life. No, no, no. What you're doing is you're going into the school of life. Yeah. And every single chapter that you're reading of the book and this goes till you're 90 if you're lucky 95 100 and 105 who, who knows but it's it's
1: a constant bit of learning oh i so agree i'm still learning about life and who i am and and how i even want to present in the world right um, yeah. what i can contribute all right so let's directly address that phase of life for those people who are listening who maybe are of college age, maybe they're in a college training program right now, maybe they want to pursue and have a career as musical theater performer. What would you want them to know?
0: I mean, listen, I I it's so interesting because and this is where I think it's hard to be an educator because you're teaching them things, (laughs) craft. But the real thing of it is, is that especially in art, I mean, you're not teaching them how to do brain surgery. You're not teaching them how to birth a child or write up a statement or do a contract or, you know, you're basically giving them the life skills to open you up to to keep learning.
1: Hey, this is David popping in here to let you know I'm also working on a book all about the mental game of musical theater, and I'd love for you to check it out. Head over to profeggers.com, that's P-R-O-F-E-G-G-E-R-S.com, for information and to be one of the first to get your hands on this book. It's going to help you as you prepare for, pursue, and build your career in musical theater. I appreciate you checking it out, and I appreciate you being here, so let's get back to the episode.
0: So, the important thing about the beginning is to is to stay free, and it's so hard because we have to make a living. the The job of our job is that to marry making a living with making art. You know, because that is an unusual co- combination. Since the beginning of time, art and education are the most important things, but we've never put value on them the way we should. We put value on other things. I mean, right. I think that artists should make a lot of money. I think teacher sh- teachers yes. should make the most money, right? But I, I'm not going to change that today. So, <laughs> so I, think, I think what I tell them is, is what I've been saying, which is, and invest in them, invest in that person as much as you can. And then work hard. Work hard means show up. Work hard means be a teammate, a collaborator. Try for everything. Get out of bed. Make yourself healthy in the ways that work for you. If it's meditating, if it's yoga, if it's exercise, if it's reading, if it's paint, if it's friendships, whatever it is that makes you healthy so that you can show up. Our job as artists is not necessarily to clock in. Our jobs as artists is to keep living,
1: Yes. okay?
0: And one of the things that happens with artists more than anything is that because because we're open, because we're empaths, because everything is sitting out here on our heart and our sleeves, I'm touching my heart, I'm touching my arms, we run the risk of being more sensitive. We've been told that our whole lives. You're, You're too sensitive. We run the risk of hurting more for humanity. Our job in this business is to show up so that we can make art of that feeling, of those feelings. Mm -hmm. So if it means waking up and doing your morning pages, waking up and writing, (laughs) waking up and picking up the guitar, waking up and stretching, waking up and kicking your face, going for a run, typing something, show up. That's my only advice to you. I'm not going to tell you to get a resume. I'm not going to tell you to take headshots. I'm not going to tell you to meet with agents or, or I'm going to tell you to wake up and get up and show up. And the minute you do that, you're going to be creating art because that's who you are but you can't show up if you stay in bed you can't show up if you get on your phone and immerse yourself in social media or or binge watch constantly mm-hmm. something T- totally watch things that's artistry too watch movies watch watch the great filmmakers of the world of our history you know watch new shows that are really hot and wonderful but then go out breathe and churn out some art of your own write a poem yeah make a lyric, sing a song. And I promise you that is going to lead work begets work begets work. And as artists, that poem is work. So you've just started your day, right? Those, that journal is work. You didn't get paid for it, but let me tell you something, my advice, you're not going to get paid for your best work. That's the problem with art artistry. The, the things you love the most will make will, will most likely make you the least bit of money but they will give your heart all the money it needs
1: ah oh, gold that's gold right there i'm looking at the time we've been on here quite a while but i love Thank this
0: guys- i love this and your your students are so lucky
1: kelly this has been so amazing and I plan to re-listen to this conversation many times myself. We both really value growing and evolving Mm -hmm. and recognize that it is a journey that has no finish line. There is no end there. That's right. Part of the beauty of living.
0: It is, it is. And you know, I do want to say, because I'm remembering what we were talking about, David, I I do want to say that in this moment where where your students are, which I remember well, even though I, I know how much I have I had to learn. I still have to learn. What I do remember was was very hard. And I had a teacher, Mrs. Birdwell, who I call now a positive mentor in my life. And what I want to remind people is that I re- I was smart enough even then, even in my naivete, to know the difference between abusive power and positive mentorship. I want to keep repeating that because what I want to remember myself and for students now to realize is that even in her positive mentorship, and I call it that because she wanted what was best for me and she got it. And If I hadn't had her, I would have been half the person I am today. I wouldn't have the career. I know for sure that I have today because she made me tough. and She made me tough because she made me uncomfortable. She made me Mm. dig deep. She made me break down walls so that I could show up so that I could be resilient, so that I could know that this is a hard business, but it's worth it every single day, that I'm the lucky one. But if I hadn't had her do that to me, if I had walked away every time I cried, if I had left the room every time I felt discomfort in the breaking down of the walls, in the reaching to get to my deeper heart, I would not be who I am today. I really want students to know the difference. The discomfort I felt, it ripped me apart and built me up better. It made me stronger. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing that every day of my life because she taught me that I could. Whereas I know that there's abusive power that we have to be done with. We have to be rid of it. We have to say, no, 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 not for me. But to feel uncomfortable, but to know you're getting to the heart of the matter, that's the key to this artistry. If we put a wall up and never feel anything, then we're not showing up, then we're escaping. We're not creating, we're not crying, we're not feeling, we're not stretching. We're not meditating. We're not doing yoga. We're not, and I'm going to use this word, we're not triggering ourselves to the work, to the feeling, the power of artistry. We have mm. to sit in our own emotion led places so that we can feel what it means to have catharsis. Yes. Some teachers and some dis- discomfort and some tough journey is necessary. To building back the muscle even stronger than it was before.
1: Well, isn't some growth really uncomfortable?
0: Every growth yeah. is really. I mean, think of your yeah. growing pains at age thirteen. They they hurt. <laughs> right, your
1: physical growing You're pains. Yeah, up at mm-hmm. night
0: and your calves hurt. You know, yeah. we cannot grow without pain. It depends on what you've been through in your life, and the things that you want to journey and heal and go into and heal, and the things you need to set aside, and that is your choice. That is your journey, and that is your power. But the things that can heal because you go into them and you sit in them. You know, Stanislavski, the method which I studied, that was sitting yourself in a chair. It was a four-hour class, and the point of it is sitting yourself in a folding chair for two hours while you trigger yourself to your Mm. deepest most not just dark i'm talking most joyous or dark or cathartic whatever you go inside and you find them so that you can bring up every part of yourself and put it out on your heart and on your arms so that you can use that in your work but if we don't do that then we're just doing we're just doing reality television Mm. you know Mm -hmm. we're not making art we're just being personalities you know so you choose between craft and celebrity i will always choose craft hmm. you know and the craft comes with with some pain and some digging and some yes. memory and some, sometimes the memories are the most joyous things in the world i'm not talking about just pain but if we're afraid to have the discomfort of those things then we're not actually going to be the artists that we were meant to be
1: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I am so grateful for your time. Let's start wrapping this up. Let me throw at you a few lightning round questions. Mm-hmm. What was the last play or book that you read?
0: I'm reading a play right now by Teresa Rebeck. Uh, really? On right now I'm in the middle of reading that. And I'm also in the middle of reading an Ann Patchett book. I, I love fiction. I read a lot of fiction. Jodi Bicot and, and you know, I, I like that kind of stuff.
1: What's the last musical that you listened to?
0: That's a good question. I I think, honestly, I've been sort of immersing myself a little bit in some of Adam's old stuff, so I I was listening to a bit of Myths and Hymns and a bit of Floyd recently.
1: Um, Do you watch TV?
0: I don't get a chance to watch too much right now. We're trying to just finish The Crown because Greg and I watch that together. Oh. Sometimes we watch a lot of Alone.
1: <laughs> You're just, like the second person who brought that up.
0: Well, my son loves to watch that survivalist stuff. So, um, and, and if we do watch it and we want to watch it together as a family, we'll we'll watch stuff like or I'll watch with with Charlotte. We'll watch you know little clips from the new Little Mermaid or something
1: like yeah. That, you know favorite snack food.
0: Okay, I'm really into right now um, having these rice cakes with peanut butter and berries on it. I have like, Mm. I eat them every single day.
1: Yeah. Delish. You've played a lot of iconic musical theater roles and created several as well. So I don't know how you're going to answer this question. If you could play any role on stage that you haven't yet played, what would it be?
0: You know, I think I have the same answer for this when people ask me. I'll know it when I see it, David. It's not a revival. It's not, it's, it's another one of these beautiful gifts of, the way I felt about Francesca in Bridges or mm-hmm. Kirsten in Days of Wine and Roses or Clara in The Light in the Piazza. I'll know it when I see it. You'll know so my, The one I want to play has is, is not been written, yet written.
1: Uh, I love that. Thank <laughs> you so much. Kelly, if people want to find you online or social media, are you out there anywhere that they can find you?
0: I am reluctantly, but I'm very I'm active. Uh, Instagram, Kelly O'Hara. Um, Twitter, Kelly O'Hara. That's K-E-L-L-I-O-H-A-R-A. And then my website, kellyohera.com.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. By the way, I had memories this morning getting ready for our chat. Of you and Matthew and me and Kathleen dancing around the rehearsal studio, figuring out, so wonderful.
0: Oh my God, the seven minute Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers number that was like pulling teeth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just yeah. taking turns lifting each other. And, you remember yeah. us
0: trying to, like, I could get over that table and chairs with you just fine, but then when Matthew and I first had to try to do it, oh God, <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't break our neck. And then to think that I was five months pregnant. I did it for five months of a pregnancy over up and over the couch and flipping over and up on the, but yeah. we, did it. we did it.
1: Good memories. I adore you. Thank you for being here with me today. And thank you for sharing so much with our audience, just invaluable. Wow. So many incredible takeaways. Thank you.
0: Thanks, David. It was so great to talk to you.
1: Hey, thanks for being here today. If you enjoyed this episode at all, please take a moment to leave a review with high marks. You wouldn't believe how much a positive review helps this podcast to reach more people. Then head over to profagers.com to check out my book all about the mental game of musical theater. And lastly, no matter how you spend the rest of your day, bring enthusiasm to it. You only get this day once and life keeps getting better and better when you bring enthusiasm to everything that you get to do. Thanks again for spending part of your day with me. Until next time, this is Prof Agers signing out.